welcome to episode one of season 16 of the Growing Empire Show. Our theme for this season is about investing in a new market, and more importantly, pivoting during times of change. This season is going to be jam-packed with a lot of special guest interviews, where they talk about navigating real estate investments in this time of change, how you look at investments differently, and how you make sure that no matter what cycle you're in, your real estate investing is successful. And then you can continue to do it and continue to build on your portfolio and build on your passive income and build on the wealth that you're building for you and for your family. Each one of my guests got their start a very different way. Some came from corporate America, some came from very stable jobs, and some just had a desire to get into something more exciting than their current nine to five. But I believe that you're gonna find that the stories all come back to some really key factors, and that's that networking is key, building relationships is key, and there's never a right or a wrong way. How you choose to dive into real estate investing and what path you choose to go down, there's never a right or a wrong answer. You just have to make sure that the path that you're choosing to take makes the most sense financially, physically, and from a perspective of time that you're going to invest in your journey. So please stay tuned and make sure that you listen to all of season 16. Now let me talk to you a little bit about my next guest. You're going to hear on this episode my special guest interview with Trevor Colton. And Trevor and I will talk about capital, raising capital, how to fund deals, and the current economic environment. Trevor has a wealth of knowledge that he's going to share on these subjects. And I believe that you're going to find some really critical information to help you on your real estate investing journey. So please stay tuned for the episode. Welcome to Growing Empires, hosted by real estate entrepreneur and trusted investment advisor, Jennifer DeJesus. Growing Empires provides insight to building wealth through passive income-producing real estate investments for those who want to build and manage a more profitable real estate portfolio. Welcome, Trevor, to the Growing Empire Show. I'm so glad that you're here, and actually, I'm glad that you're back for a second time. Uh, we had such a great conversation back in season 11, and we had actually four four conversations about the market at that time. So I'm really excited to get to talk to you about what's new, what's changed, and what's happening in your world. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm excited to be back. Awesome. Why don't you give us a brief background and kind of an update on like where you stand today and what you're what you're doing? Yeah, I'm the president of Evergreen Capital Advisors. We uh, are a commercial mortgage brokerage firm. We help uh, investors source commercial debt and equity uh, around the country. And I'm also the founder of the Real Estate Finance Academy, where we teach real estate investors and real estate professionals how to make the jump into commercial properties. Awesome. Yeah, it's been an exciting time over the past year. <laughs> a lot has changed, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're yeah. going to jump right into that today because we're going to talk about, you know, getting capital and how to fund deals in the current economic environment. So I've asked Trevor to join me to share his wealth of knowledge that he's gained throughout the years on these subjects, as well as some insight into what's happening today that you can expect. So let's yes. just jump right in. Um, I want you to tell me about the market fluctuation. So even just from a year ago, so a year ago we talked and the market looked very different at that time than it does today. Yeah, it sure has. And it, exactly what a lot of us knew was going to happen did happen. And with the in inflation, and you know all of the currency that was flooding the market during the pandemic, we knew the Fed was going to end up raising rates. But I don't think anybody anticipated how aggressive the Fed was going to be raising rates. So suddenly you have a like a disparity in market conditions where the cost of capital is greater than the cap rates on the properties that people are buying. So market fundamentals you know really hadn't changed. In fact, market fundamentals are super strong. And that was part of the reason why the Fed was raising rates. But now we have, you know, capital has become so much more expensive. I think everybody has seen volume is way down. Uh, and a lot of lenders have pulled back from, you know, putting capital out in the market. 
because in certain sectors, a lot of people were overexposed. A lot of banks were overexposed. And so, you know, a lot has changed and people really have to kind of understand what has what's different now and adjust to it. Very true. So how has sourcing capital changed in the last year or so? What I've seen is a lot of the banks that maybe were previously lending on multifamily or retail or, you know, especially office, they've pulled back after Silicon Valley Bank went down and Signature Bank. The, the world of the capital markets had to regroup. And when, when we're borrowing from banks, those banks are actually borrowing from larger investment banks. And when they have too much exposure in any particular sector, then frequently those lenders or the investment banks that fund them will say, hey, we're not going to lend anymore in that sector. A great example right now would be office. Uh, very few lenders that I know anywhere in the country are lending on office properties. And a lot of banks just aren't lending anymore in general, or they're only lending to their existing clients. So what has happened now is it's more difficult, even for a straight up multifamily deal, it's more difficult to find uh, a competitive lender and it just takes a little bit more effort and more conversations to shop around to find the right loan. Uh, I'll give you an example right now. I'm just working on uh, a deal with a client who is he's buying 24 units out in Illinois and it's a fairly straightforward acquisition, fully occupied, it's in great condition. And when we went out to go shop the debt for him, we were finding loans that ranged from eight and a half percent on a 20 year amortization down to the high 6%, like six and seven eighths on a 30 year am. And the difference in that is, is monumental. So, you know, in, ter in terms of how much it'll affect his cash flow. So there's just a lot more disparity in what is available out in the markets right now. And it just makes shopping around for capital that much more challenging and then makes i think the importance of commercial mortgage brokers uh that much more important so talk to me a little bit about the process though so somebody comes to you and says look i'm trying to buy x what happens from that moment forward because you know you have a, a wide variety of options for people Mm -hmm. So how do you help them identify the best area to navigate for that, that financing or that, you know, whether it be debt, equity, whatever, to fund these deals that they're looking for? Oh, great question. The first thing we do is we sit down and talk about their goals and their strategy. And, you know, if somebody is looking for value add opportunities and maybe they're early on in their investment career, they're going to have a different set of goals than somebody who might be later in their investment career and maybe just looking for steady cash flow without a lot of work to be done. So the first thing is understanding what the client the, is trying to accomplish and seeing if their current strategy matches up with that. You know, if somebody says, hey, I want to do some some value add, you know, renovating distressed properties in another state, uh, but I don't want to have to travel or work or be there. I just want to be passive. Those two things don't really mix because if you're doing a renovation, you need to typically be around to supervise it. But if you're buying a class A property that's already you know fully renovated and really nice, then that might work for an out-of-state investor. So the goals and the strategy and how they align is really important. And then when once we have an understanding of that, then you know we will say okay let's take a look at the property that you're looking at and as you know in in commercial there's no like pre-qualifying the underwriting is based on the property not on the borrower like the sure. best we can do for pre-qualifying is saying well based on what we're seeing out in the market right now you're going to need probably about this much down uh do you have that and do you have the net worth to you know, meet the lender's requirements. 
But once they, the client shows us a property, we will do our own like preliminary underwriting and just see if there are any red flags that we can identify or you know any problems that we're going to see that lenders might have with that loan proposal. So we basically underwrite the deal first, and then we help the client build uh, the set of documents that they need or establish their entity, whatever it is that the pieces that need to be filled in to present to the capital markets a really nice proposal that represents the client in the best light and gives them the greatest number of lenders that want to provide a term sheet for that particular property. And then we'll present those, all the term sheets side by side and let the client see, you know, what are the advantages and disadvantages of each of these loans? I'll give you an example of somebody, we'll go back to that value add example. If somebody wants to put some extra money in to say capital improvements right after they buy the property, then a couple years of interest only payments on their loan might be really advantageous because their payments will be a little bit lower and that gives them uh, less stress on their cash flow. Um, another example might be if somebody is buying that this is their last like big apartment complex, they, you know, they've rolled up and this is the one that they want to own forever, then they might be a candidate for like the 35 year fixed rate HUD loan. Um, so sure. what, without having an understanding of their goals and strategy, we wouldn't be able to present them with the best options. So we, we, that's what happens first is the understanding what the client's trying to accomplish. Then we go out and see how many options we can find that fit that strategy. And then we help the client execute you know, through the, the underwriting process, the appraisal, submitting documents. Um, so it's, it's fairly complex, certainly much more complex than single family. And that's why we have a lot of people that would much rather come to us and let us walk them through the process than trying to go out there and do all of that themselves. And how critical do you think your understanding of that, that investor's goals truly, truly is to the portfolio that they're buying or the property that they're buying as a whole? Do you think it has an impact on their future profitability? Oh, absolutely. And it, it, understanding how the client wants to uh, proceed long term makes it, it makes us able to help them achieve those goals. Uh, an, another example would be, say, if somebody wants to go in and improve a property, maybe get the income up and then sell it maybe in three to five years and then roll their equity into a new property, understanding that will be beneficial when we go to bring them loan options because they don't want to have a 5% prepayment penalty just a couple years down the road if they might want to roll up sooner. So it it's all related. Real estate's a financial investment and having the right financing in place is how you're going to achieve your goals. Sure. I'm sure you also experience situations where you have to tell an investor, hey, this deal just doesn't make sense or mm -hmm. or doesn't make sense for you. So All the time. <laughs> <laughs> probably more than you care to admit, right? <laughs> yeah. So do you find that that has increased drastically because of the current financial environment? Or do you think that that's just, you know, something that you you know, you experience all the time. Has it, has it increased or decreased given the current market? Um, great question. I would say it has increased, but for different reasons. Um, you know, right now, because rates went up so quickly, a lot of sellers that were planning to sell in the coming year, they sort of had a cap rate in mind or a price in mind that they wanted to exit at. And suddenly with debt being so expensive, buyers can't afford to pay those same cap rates, those same prices. And so now it's a little bit more of educating clients on the concept of positive leverage versus negative leverage, or um, you know, just letting them 
you know, what the debt service is going to be like. And I think what's what's kind of perplexing is I haven't seen very many 80% LTV loans out there in the last 15 years. And right now, when we're seeing so few lenders actually being aggressive in the market, we're starting to see 80% LTV loans again. And it so I think it just reinforces the point that there's no one size fits all. There's no there's no blanket generalization that fits all lenders. It's uh, it's much more individualized from lender to lender, and so this makes shopping around that much more important. But uh, yeah, it's it's a strange time. I just don't think it's as bad as a lot of people think. It's just a matter of the market catching the. It's just a matter of the real estate market catching up to the capital markets and finding that balance again. Yeah, I, I definitely have to say that I agree with you on that. I, um, you know, I, I feel like um, as I don't know if it's an American thing or if it's <laughs> just people in general, but I feel like, you know, change brings about questions of like do or do not, right? And there's never any like gray area, right? So like when I hear questions about, you know, the current real estate market, I hear questions of, well, should I just not invest right now? And and it's never really a matter of should you or shouldn't you? It's still about just finding the right deal. So if you found the right deal and the right deal made financial sense in the current market and the current financing world and you know yes you should do it right but right. if you know if you can't find it then no you shouldn't but even if the market was completely shifted and rates were drastically low and inventory was really high and you know all things were roses and sunshine i would still tell you the same thing only invest if it makes sense, only if the deal makes sense. So I think that, you know, I find it that people are just kind of, you know, very, very dramatic. It's either do or do not. And it's always going to be about finding the deal and then finding the right leverage or equity or debt to make the deal make sense. And if the deal doesn't make sense, you pass and you find another deal. You're exactly right. And I actually am kind of amused when people are doom and gloom and, and say there are no deals out there. Yeah. There are always deals out there. Always and deals. The the people that say there are no deals out there, they that's just one less competitor for those people that are out there looking for deals. And you just touched on it. The financing is the key part there. Because if you find a deal that you really like, but let's say you know, the the, the loan terms are just not good. You can't get anything that's even close to positive leverage. Well, okay, then le you know don't leverage as much. If you have to raise more equity to do the deal, then do that. And then you know we find there are lenders out there that have interest rate reduction programs. So if you go and you get a loan today, and three years now from now, it, in three years from now, rates drop the lender will reduce your interest rate to the market rates. Uh, so it's a matter of structuring the financing to make the deal work in a way that doesn't hobble you down the road. But the biggest challenge for a lot of investors is just having enough of that equity to bring into the deal so that they can do it. But it, I, it's sad when you see people walk away from a deal because they didn't know how to get creative with the financing. Yeah, that's very true. I also think too that people use like their past history as a marker for whether or not they're going to do well or not well, right? But what you bought a property for, whether you're looking at a cap rate, a price per door, your financing percentage, uh, you know, or anything, what it was 10 years ago is not what it is today. And you cannot compare the two. They were completely mm -hmm. different markets. It's like, we gotta, we gotta like let the past alone, like <laughs> focus on the positive and the, the reality of today. And then, you know, and then we're going to have to do it all over again because next year and the year after that are going to be a little bit different too. And you're going to have to adjust to that. But I find that people are almost like paralyzed because they can't, focus on what's now and what's real and they focus on the past and they compare it as, as like it's a good or bad when in reality it's just different it's mm -hmm. truly just different yeah yeah you're exactly right and 
people have to be flexible and nimble and adjust to the market conditions. But that's the beauty of investment real estate is outside of the capital markets, even if the economy is suffering, which it's not, uh, it, you can control your destiny with investment real estate so much more than other types of investments. Yeah, I completely agree. I also believe that you diversify a lot of risk by being invested in investment real estate. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is going to happen over the next year or two? What is your prediction? <laughs> uh, I love these questions. And it's I think rates are going to level off. They're they're saying that we might see some more interest rate uh, hikes, you know, but I don't think they'll be as aggressive. And but, but you know, I've always said it's a 7% lending world. Like, you know, the 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 price we pay for other people's money is probably never going to be as cheap as it was over the last 15 years since the 2008 financial crisis. I mean, right. that was just unprecedented low cost of capital. But seeing rates in the 7 8% is historically what we're used to. So what I think is going to happen over the coming year or two is those sellers that currently own and were tr- are trying to sell their property, whether it's to reinvest or get out of the market, and they were thinking they were going to get out at selling at a four cap or a five cap, they're going to realize that that's not going to happen. And then over the next couple of years, their income will continue to grow. And then they'll finally be back up to that, maybe that dollar amount that they had set in their head that they were going to sell. And so sellers will come back and we'll see a little bit more market equilibrium because right now volumes down, I think nationwide about 70%. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that buyers can't pay what sellers want for their properties, at least on the commercial side. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And that's exactly right. I mean, we, we've got to have those conversations constantly, right? It's just that, mm-hmm. you know, what you want, because what you thought you should have gotten a year ago does not apply to today. And, you know, it still has to make financial sense. And, you know, it's, it's a calculation. It's not, it's not just a feeling. So yeah, I completely agree with that. So what advice are you giving to your clients that are looking for capital now? The, the two main things I would say are first, don't waste too much time trying to shop the capital markets yourself. You know, we, and I don't even just say this because we are more commercial mortgage brokers, but when I was a real estate agent, I said the same thing, go find a good commercial mortgage broker and let them shop the market for you. And that's going to save you a lot of time. And those people, that's what they do day in and day out. The second thing that, I'm telling people a lot more now is get educated. And that was part of why we decided to turn our training into the Real Estate Finance Academy, because so many people are coming to us and they don't understand how commercial loans are underwritten. And so we started giving away this training just so people would understand how we're approaching the market and what we're trying to get creative with and having a more educated client makes our job easier. And I think it allows us to communicate better. And so they understand what we're trying to do and maybe, hey, why this doesn't work, but we're gonna go and we're gonna pursue this option. And uh, and so I would say, you know, just make sure that you understand how the process works and ask the right questions and, you know, just be communicating with the, whoever is helping you liaise with the capital markets. Sure. Would you say that there's any new trends or emerging opportunities in the real estate market that the investors, that investors should be aware of or in the finance, the finance industry that anybody should be aware of? Oh, for sure. Um, The probably the most interesting one right now is C-PACE or PACE which is property assessed clean energy. And that's a nationwide program that's being rolled out state by state uh, where owners can get additional funding for anything that's related to fighting climate change and sustainability um, where 
you can get funding for these types of improvements, major capital systems, like if you needed to replace an HVAC system, or if you needed to seismically retrofit a building, things that can be big ticket items, those can now be financed outside of your existing mortgage structure. And the, the debt service is actually attached to the property taxes and not to the borrower. So, um, well, that's it's, interesting. Yeah, it's fairly new. It's only been out around a couple years, and it's not even rolled out in every state yet because it has to be approved by state legislature. But right now, you could make um, tons of capital improvements to your property and then go and get PACE financing uh, on those improvements. And it's even retroactive as much as, much as three years. So we're starting to see more and more PACE inquiries for people that did big renovations and they're already completed and now they want to get some of that capital back. And the interesting thing about PACE is when you sell the property, those payments, they go to the new buyer. They don't stay with the borrower and that doesn't have to be paid back. It also doesn't have like foreclosure rights. It's, it's the, the financing is actually put on an assessment and it's paid with your property taxes. The other thing I'm seeing in the market right now is lenders being a lot more willing to be creative. So uh, including with things like PACE. So that's really interesting is um, the lenders that are lending realize that it's harder to make deals pencil. And so we're just seeing a lot more exceptions being approved or, you know, like the interest only option I mentioned that we're seeing that more often too. Sure. Yeah, like different flexibility on in the terms, right? The terms of the loan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Those like the uh, interest rate reduction, that program, um, you know, that's a HUD thing. And other lenders are doing it now too. So even if you don't have a variable rate, you have a fixed rate, but then rates drop by a couple points three years from now, the lender will rewrite your loan at that lower rate. The episode will continue in just a moment. As an investor, we know it's important to stay on top of market trends and real estate opportunities that add value to your portfolio. We also know that having a trusted source of reliable information to help you stay a step ahead of other investors is critical to your success. If you're interested in having these types of resources, as well as access to me and my team, I invite you to join the Empire Investment Club, a free service that gives you an easier way to make sense of today's and tomorrow's real estate opportunities. As a member of the Empire Investment Club, you'll get access to relevant resources and investment-focused experiences such as live interactive webinars, market trend presentations, and investor socials designed to equip you with what you need to succeed. So whether you're an active investor, passive investor, a combination of both, or just starting out, the club is where you'll get what you need to build a portfolio you love. To join, just head over to jenniferdehesus.com, sign up, and we'll see you in the club where everyone's on a journey to becoming a better investor. So how do you navigate or how do you suggest that your clients navigate the risks associated with real estate investments, such as the market fluctuations and unforeseen circumstances that happen? Because, you know, nobody has a crystal ball, so it's not like you can foresee everything coming. But how do you suggest that people, is there anything that they do when they're buying properties or how they're leveraging properties that would help somebody kind of weather any future storms? Yeah, I think understanding where your risks are uh, is probably the most important thing. So if somebody is worried about interest rates skyrocketing again and they have a 10-year planned hold for their investment, then you know, take away that risk by getting a 10-year fixed rate loan. Or you know, if um, maybe somebody's going into a market that they're not familiar with and, and that market is dominated by one large employer, you know, understand the risk of that employer doing something by researching it during your due diligence. I think just knowing what the risks are and then doing whatever you can to mitigate them is just the most important thing because you, like you said, you don't have a crystal ball and you can't control everything, but the more calculated you can be when taking those risks, the better. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I also think to kind of add to that, that 
you also have to have an exit strategy. So I, I truly believe that you should never buy investment real estate without having an exit strategy. That's right. And a plan. So, you know, it's one thing to buy properties and say, hey, I want cash flow. Hey, I want to hold this to retirement, right? But the market fluctuates. So that property that you bought a couple of years ago may not be the best use of your capital today because of the shifts in the market. So I always think that, you know, although we always expect everything to go well, right? <laughs> you want to prepare for the worst and, and have a plan because the people that don't suffer in real estate are the people that can get out whenever they need to or if they needed to. And the people that are suffering or have to, you know, that end up going to foreclosure are the people that couldn't find a way to get out because they never had a plan. Absolutely. And when I'm looking at an acquisition, I model multiple exit strategies. Like what what if we have to get out and it's something something goes wrong and we need to sell quickly. What happens if interest rates skyrocket? And we knew that was coming, which more aggressive than we expected, but sure. uh, that's something that we model out. And then, you know, what happens if we have to hold this thing longer than we anticipated? Is that going to work for us? Are we dependent on that? The first exit strategy, or can we make this work? And I always say, have an exit strategy absolutely and have a backup and then also be prepared like don't buy anything that you wouldn't be willing to hold for a little while sure yeah i completely agree with that so as somebody ex with experience in commercial lending what would you say are some of the key factors that commercial lenders specifically are are evaluating as a whole when they're looking at you know, a loan application or or a property that they're assessing. What are some of the really like most key factors? I, you know, right now the a lot of the same things: the debt service coverage, uh, the lender's debt yield. Uh, the lender's going to want to know what's their loan constant, and things like net worth are very important. Borrowers need to have typically a net worth that's equal to or greater than the loan amount. And market, like the sub-market uh, exposure, because what we're seeing in commercial real estate are some areas like office that are struggling and there's not a lot of demand. And then in that same market, the multifamily might be like going through the roof and in just really, really strong. So that just, again, reinforces how investors need to understand what the lenders are looking at and why this is important. And so if, 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 a, if I come back to a borrower or a client that's looking at a loan offer from a particular lender and they say, oh, well, they really need uh, an 8% debt yield, uh, to make this work, even though the debt service coverage is there, it, it's helpful when people understand what that means and why they, the lender is asking for that. So uh, I don't think anything's really changed too much. It's just there's more scrutiny on a lot of applications. But I, I think most of your listeners, I, I think, are residential or multifamily investors Right. Um, and commercial. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, a lot of commercial nowadays, you know, because, you know, people that got in, well, I, I started in this business 14 years ago. Right. So the people that I was initially helping buy single families, duplexes, three, four units, five units, right, have all done very, very well for themselves, um, mm -hmm. particularly because they were invested in housing and not the other riskier sectors of of investing. Um, but, you know, they did really well for themselves. So a lot of them would then sell, trade up, do a 1031 exchange, defer the capital gains, move on to a larger property. And that's, you know, that's kind of like the cycle, right? And that's also what I mean about those exit strategies, because, you know, all of those investors initially said to me, 
when they bought their very first property, they all said, I'm looking for passive income. I'm looking to retire, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be that particular property. If I can take the same $50,000 that you invested or $100,000 that you invested and 10 years ago, I was able to get you a 10% return on that. But today I can get you a 20% return on that. I mean, it only makes sense to move that capital and just keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but yeah, to, you know, kind of illustrate your point is that, you know, the reality is, is that you do have to have that extra strategy. You've got to be able to look at different, different things. You do have to understand what your lender is looking at. Because you, you, nobody wants to buy a bad deal. You, everybody wants to have a profitable investment, and you don't want to be one of the ones that we all talk about after the fact that hey, you should have done that. <laughs> you should have just listened to me. But yeah, there's you know, investment real estate provides a lot of opportunities, and it, you don't necessarily have to be buying fifty million dollar deals to be profitable. There's so many ways to do it, and you know what you buy and how you invest and where you get your capital from all has a significant impact on that outcome, that future outcome of that investment property. Oh, absolutely. And the path that you just laid out, you know, buying an investment property, the smaller one, and then trading up through a 1031 and continuing to roll your equity into new properties. In my opinion, that is the best path to building wealth that exists out there when it comes to, you know, adjusted for risk and where the investor has control buying a property, adding some value. And then like we we talked about last time, not being afraid to sell and then roll into the next project. I've seen more people go from buying a fourplex to, you know, having a 10, $15 million property that's now cash flowing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And just a few steps might take a while, might take a a decade, but the, you know, a lot of these people, they come, I call them the bootstrap millionaires. Like they don't come from wealth. They started right. out buying a small investment property and working hard and they are living that life that people talk about. And I think that the rolling up through investment properties is, is the best path to do that. Unless you get lucky and you bought Bitcoin in 2011 or something. <laughs> <laughs> the truth. However, most of us are not that, not that experienced or savvy enough to uh, predict, you know, the future of financial, <laughs> financial wealth <laughs> as easy as they did with Bitcoin. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the the next best avenue is uh, investment real estate, where you can kind of weather some of those storms and and have a little bit more risk adjustment for sure. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I think you you give a lot of really good advice, and that's why I like coming on your show. And um, you know, right now people are scared, but yeah, don't you know? I think really what you have to realize is we're they're just scared because they're seeing these reactions from the fed because the economy is doing so well. And we, I think we all knew the economy would rebound and and be pretty robust after the pandemic. Um, And, and so they're just trying to slow things down a little bit. And none of us like that. (laughs) It bothers me when the fed raises rates because it hurts businesses and it, it hurts a lot of people's investment strategy and the the deal that they thought they're going to be able to do. They can't or, or they have to go and raise more capital. Um, we're doing a huge property uh, in the Midwest, and the the developer thought he could get ninety percent loan to cost on this giant multifamily development he was doing. And then, of course, things change, and now he couldn't, and so he had to end up bringing on more equity partners. So uh, it's not always easy. It just reinforces how you have to get creative sometimes, but. It's still the best path for most people, I think. Sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. Do you have any particularly challenging investment acquisitions projects that you've worked on recently with with any borrowers? Um, recently, that yeah, um, like like challenging that we couldn't. Um, well, the one I just cited, I think, has probably been the most challenging because. This was an experienced developer who has he's you know built multifamily multiple multiple times, and he was used to just going to his local bank and getting a commercial loan for ninety ninety five percent, and you know now he's up. This is a 
a development that's you know exceeds 50 million in budget and he has to go now bring on partners that he's never really had to deal with before and and uh, that has been uh, a little bit challenging but we were able to show him that if we bring on the partner and we structure it the right way he's going to be able to um, he's going to be able to put in less of his own money and his returns are probably going to quadruple. And so he's not going to end up having the same equity amount that he wanted, but by bringing in the right partners and, you know, we've got a preferred equity partner and a lender and he, now he's going to be able to actually put some money into other projects and the money he's got in this project is going to return him a lot more. Um, that's a development case. You know, we, we did have um, another challenge that we had recently was an investor who wanted to buy uh, an apartment building. And then with rates going up, the, the loan, all the loan offers that were coming in were a lot lower and the debt service was really high and suddenly it doesn't pencil. And I, you know, I told the client, I said, I think we can make this work, but we, we've got to get the seller to cooperate and the lender to cooperate. And what we did is, you know, we, we were just short on the NOI. So we, the, the debt service coverage wasn't there, but the buyer didn't have more money to bring in. He didn't want to bring in another partner. And we really just needed about $20 per unit a month, per month of more income. And so what we did is we got creative and we approached the seller and who had not raised rents in a while. And we said, Hey, look, if, if, if you already know you're selling and the tenants are going to find out, let's present this to them in a way that will make it actually, they'll be happy about it and say, Hey, I was thinking about raising rents $50 in the coming year, but if you sign a new lease today, I'll only raise your rents 25 bucks. And then you're, you're guaranteed that when we sell the building, your rent's not going to go up for at least a year. And so every single tenant in the building signed the new lease. We got the $25 per month per unit increase. And then we went back to the lender and said, Hey, we have new leases in place at this higher amount. And because they were leases instead of month to month, the lender said, okay, we'll underwrite to the new leases instead. And we were able to get the deal done. But that's the kind of thing that you have to have good advisors. You have to have, you know, a, a good relationship with the brokers and the seller. And that was pretty exciting because everybody thought that deal was dead. And uh, just a little bit of creativity and getting everybody on the same page made it happen. Yeah, I, I, that's, that speaks volumes too as to how critical your partnership is with your team, right? As an investor, mm -hmm. it's your, your, your lender, your broker, your, you know, maybe property manager. Um, it's so critical for that. And actually it's, it's interesting because that's the segue into my, my last question for you is really just about, you know, your belief in the importance of networking and building relationships in the real estate industry, because, you know, my experience has always taught me that, you know, when I'm helping investors buy, sell, whatever, I mean, we're invested together. It may be their property, they may own it, but we are a hundred percent in business together. And it's my job to help them really navigate the changes of the market, use my, my expertise and my education to help them. And I feel like you have a very similar outlook into how serious you take from the initial loan application, just looking at the deal as a whole, trying to understand their, their goals and their desires for the real estate and what it's trying to do and does the property that they're trying to buy and the product that you're going to give them work well with that strategy. And if it doesn't, helping educate them as to why. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, if you had to really put a number on it or, or a thought behind it, how, how critical do you believe that those relationships are those long-term relationships? The relationships are gold and any investor out there that, uh, says they can't find deals needs to understand that it's not what you know or who, you know, it's who knows you and, the you know especially brokers have they have their a-list clients and if 
if they get a new listing or a deal before it hits the market, brokers call their A-list clients and say, hey, I've got this. You know, do you want to take a look at it? And if you as an investor are not on the A-list of at least some of the brokers in the markets where you're working or, or looking, then you're not doing enough to, you know, connect, to create awareness. And, you know, we're all professionals. I've been an, an investor, I've been a broker, and I've been a lender. And, you know, in commercial especially, relationships are everything. We don't advertise the way that they do in single family. Like, so if, if a deal comes around or if there's an opportunity, a lot of the professionals are going to talk about it with those people that are top of mind. So when people are creating that team, whether it's if a, if a real estate agent sends you a deal, even if that deal is not something that you are interested in, you know, be responsive and follow through with whatever you say you're going to do. Are you going to look at it? Are you going to let them know if you're interested or not? Then do that because there's so many professionals in our industry that work on straight commission and they are going to give attention to the people that are responsive and that respect the work that they're doing. And that's how you create, create that relationship. And I think that just having an understanding of, you know, how valuable those relationships are and then acting on it and showing people that you respect their time and their efforts, that's the way to create a good team. You know, and then finding people that are experienced in, in the product type or the property type that you're working in, that's also really important. I completely agree. So let's take a quick moment to jump into your newest ventures, the training, the education, the I think you referenced them as like seminars that you put on for investors. How did you, how did you get started or what made you, I not, how did you get started? What made you actually decide to do that? <laughs> actually, it was, it was funny. I was uh, working with a client uh, about 15 years ago who was a professor at the university teaching in the master's of real estate program. And he would ask me to come in and be a guest speaker in his class. And mm -hmm. then Soon after that, they asked me to come teach. And so I was moonlighting as a real estate finance professor for about 10 years. Uh, and then pretty early on, my students were asking me if I would put my lectures on video. So after I retired from teaching and I had started putting some of my stuff up on YouTube, uh, really just as a favor to my students, I got tremendous feedback and I, I'm not really big on promoting and all that. So it was very organic how people started coming to me and saying, hey, this is amazing. I really want you to coach me or can you put together a set of videos that will teach me this? And uh, over time, as I have been working on it kind of on the side, it's grown into a full fledged academy where we do masterclass programs for real estate investors. Uh, we do for real estate agents, we've got a mortgage broker masterclass. And, and then a lot of those people end up coming in for one-on-one -on -one coaching and where they, they will go through the training and now they understand what debt service coverage ratio is and, you know, those types of things. Then if they want to get out and go and do a deal and they want to have a mentor or a coach along the way, um, you know, have a wait list of people that, uh, want to have coaching. And then I've done some group coaching too, where a real estate team will, you know, maybe they're just now deciding to break into the commercial market in their city and they need training and they want to get up to speed so they can compete with the commercial brokers that are already there. So that's been really fun. And I, I think right now having I've, I've done the lending and I've done the real estate brokerage and I, right now I'm having a lot of fun coaching investors and coaching new professionals in the industry because there's so much excitement around it. And people know that this is a great path to building wealth. And it's just a lot of fun uh, helping people get up to speed and walk through it. And then to see them get their deals done or, you know, to see them close their first sale after they got a listing is just really exciting. So I've been enjoying that. That's really awesome. So how do my listeners find you and find out more about your masterclasses? 
they can uh, go to realestatefinanceacademy.com. Um, and then we also have some free videos at Evergreen Capital. Um, our website there is evergreen.llc or evergreencapitaladvisors.com. Um, and my main goal is to help people and to give them information. The people that really want to get into a stru structured program, then we have those training options for them. But we want to educate investors and we want to educate professionals because it makes all of our jobs easier and it makes this, this whole industry more fun when people understand why we're giving them certain types of advice. And, um, and so creating better investors and better business people is our main goal. And we just want to give out a lot of that information. So we give our training away. Uh, we always have free courses and free lessons people can take and take a look at, or, you know, if they want to dive in, they, we have options for that too. Um, but really it's just because real estate being so complex from a finance standpoint, it's, it's not as easy as other things to just learn as you go. You really do need quality advisors. And so, uh, that part, like I said, has been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that information. So last question, and I ask it every single time um, <laughs> to every guest. I probably asked it to you last time, so you should be well prepared. What didn't I ask you that you want everybody to know? Uh, I've been on a handful of podcasts, Jen, and this is this, yours is my favorite. And I really, you ask great questions. Thank um, you. And so, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I can't think of anything else, really. Um, but... Uh, I think maybe um, I know last time we talked about like not being afraid to sell. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, I, the, probably the one thing is, um, you know, maybe not a question you should ask, but my advice would be, you know, don't let fear paralyze you. There are ways to get your goals accomplished there. It might take time and it might take creativity, but you know this the the old saying the the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the second best time was today and you know i just wanted people to stay focused stay encouraged keep moving forward and know that you know investment real estate is a great way to achieve their goals Oh, I love that. That is perfect. That was a good one. I'm glad I gave you some time to pause there and think about that because that was really, really good. Thanks. Well, Trevor, as usual, I can't thank you enough for your your time, your expertise, and just your dedication to educating people and trying to really see uh, help have a, help everybody see success in investment real estate. It's really it's really empowering. It's really awesome. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. Yeah, I love it and. I can tell you do too. And yeah. so I'm always, always happy to chat with you. So thanks so much. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for listening to my episode with Trevor Colton. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time, take care. For more information about how Jennifer can help you plan, develop, and manage a strong real estate investment portfolio, visit growingempires.com.